For what purpose does the gentleman from Minnesota rise? Madam Clerk, it's my high honor and distinct pleasure to rise in nomination of the only patriot who can simultaneously unite a movement and a country. A man who will take the fight to the animal kingdom every day, comfortably smug. Is there a second? I second the nomination. Democrats were shuddering privately just a few days ago about how big the margin was going to be. Republicans were predicting a red wave, but they may end up with the same slim majority Democrats have had for the last two years. We are going to take the House back. But we've got so much more to do, and I have only begun to fight. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program, a high-energy Thursday. Boy, there's a lot of mess out there, folks. <laughs> I mean, that's that's saying it lightly. It's just, it's it's an absolute shit show. But I got to tell you, I, I, I rise in absolute sincerity, Smug, that I think you're the man for the job. And, and before we start getting phone calls, I absolutely have zero interest. No, you and should I be would... the, I don't, <laughs> it, you know what? Byron Donald's has repeatedly said, Jim Jordan repeatedly said, they had no interest in the speakership, and they have received 20 votes apiece. And, I mean, that's the thing is I, I think it shows, uh, I mean, why would anyone want this job? It is truly <laughs> like herding cats, but the cats are always angry, you know? There's what, no downtime for these cats. They never sleep. They what, only want to cause, like, trouble for you. You've you've just been nominated. Do I take that, that comment to mean that you're not interested? Absolutely not. I, I, would, I would 100% never Want anything? I'm never gonna. I, this is why I would never run for public office. I would never serve the public in any way. I only serve myself. I feel like if this <laughs> goes on, that's why on, you can trust me. <laughs> as we sit, we're through six ballots in the Speaker of the House nomination battle to no avail. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has received somewhere between 200 and 205 votes. Uh, the Democrat Keem Jeffries is in like the 212, basically uniting all of the of the Democrats, and we are yet to nominate a speaker. Um, I feel like if this goes on a couple of more ballots, that uh, Wesley Hunt may have an obligation to nominate you, Smug. I mean, it's just absolute clownery is what this is. It makes it makes Republicans look so bad. Totally. Of, I mean, like Democrats, of all people right now, have the argument that this is clear, Republicans don't want to govern, which has been like for generations. Our knock on on liberals is that these people can't govern. Yeah, and then and then for ten minutes we've got the majority, and this is what happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, I agree with that entirely, but I I think even a broader look at this, what you're seeing demonstrating on the House floor currently, and this may not apply to everyone. There are some people with principled objections are trying to get rule changes and things like that, and they're working on those sort of things, and we'll see how this whole thing pans out. But for the vast majority of the proceeding and the people who are participating in it and basically not coming to a consensus on who the Republican is that will lead the House of Representatives, they're validating all of the concerns that we saw out of exit polling in November yep. about those center-right voters who had voted basically Republican for 30 years and stopped in recent years and were still gun-shy despite the fact that they agreed with us on inflation, immigration, and crime – and, and thought the Biden administration was responsible for all of it, and yet they voted Democrat. And, and I think if you were to peel back that onion a little bit more, I think they would say because this kind of thing was inevitable. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, and, and a lot of the exit polls, I mean, of course, hindsight is, is twenty twenty, but like a lot of the exit polls were basically being like a lot of especially suburban voters who lean center-right were like the, the party is in a chaotic place. Yeah, they just didn't want to deal with chaos, which is why on the previous show I was like, you know, find me a boring, competent person, and that's like a world beater, you know, of a candidate because that's really where the mood is for a lot of voters. Is I mean, we've been through a pandemic, we've been through God, you know, this inflation's been out of control, the border's a mess, you know, crime keeps going up every day in the news. You hear more horrific stories of across the country, terrible, terrible crime. People want less drama, not more, and and. There was an, a, a chaotic energy that they felt coming from the Republicans, and we're seeing now chaotic, this chaotic mess. Um, I will say, though, I don't know if you saw Tucker's monologue the other night when he was discussing this. Of, uh, he said that if 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 anyone who wants to be speaker can present a plan for what we're going to do 
about the situation that conservatives find themselves in, where you've got like the FBI, like all these documents have come out where the FBI is essentially working with Twitter to completely created, have their thumb on the scale. They created of elections. a church committee to to. I mean, this was, McCarthy essentially created a committee out of thin air to deal with all of this. Like, I, that's what I don't understand is that all of the sort of oversight. I mean, you can have a great amount of anxiety about how why this has not been done yet, which I think we all share, mm-hmm. but you actually have to have power in order to do it. And thus far through two days of the House of Representatives, they've not been able to actually even swear in a new member of Congress because they can't elect a Speaker of the House. And so if that's what you want, right, if you want to get to the bottom of all that stuff, well, they've already talked about that during the course of the campaign. They formed committees for it, but you're going to have to get on with it in order to do the work. I mean, that's the thing that's that's so absurd about yeah, this. This, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about on Tuesday, in that McCarthy has given um, given into a lot of the demands from the right and some of these holdouts, you know, kind of over and over and over again. But they have these unspoken uh, expectations that either their person they personally will be elevated to the top of the news cycle, or that. They want something that's completely unrealistic because they know that McCarthy's not able to to deliver it because they just don't like him. And by the way, his reservations are not on things like what you just mentioned, investigating Intel, FBI, situations revolving around Russiagate, situations that have presented itself with Twitter, you know, all that kind of thing. Like, McCarthy has shown no ideological resistance to any of that stuff. What they were talking about is are things like we talked about on Tuesday with the motion to vacate, where five members of his conference can at any one point like basically throw him out of the job if they disagree with what he's doing, right? Or make one of the you know five or ten of these twenty people who are holding out committee chairman, uh, which you know what does that say to the other two hundred, two, three, four? plus members who just want to start governing that now if you just hold out and don't vote you know the way that the party needs you to vote that you can get anything you want like you can't become speaker under those circumstances clearly he can't give in to making all these people chairman of the co- of the committees right but i think it's also telling that uh I'm, i don't know which member of the house said there's 500 of these people i don't know which one mentioned it but he was like uh, this is this is when uh, the, the the ballots initially failed. You know, the first, second round, whatever. Uh, he was like, "Well, we'll see what like you know uh, the conservative shows are like. We'll see what like Hannity and Tucker and Laura." Are like. Yeah, I saw that. And that's the thing, dude. Is like, there's no cover being given for like just get the job done. Is because there is a lot of anger. You know, there's the, the conservative movement. You know, a lot of the wish list things that we've had, right? We got this, like, I think Supreme Court is a prime example of promises made, promises delivered kind of a situation. So you don't see any anger towards that body, right? That That's 100% getting the job done right there. But when it comes to things like, you know, uh, the way that we keep dealing with elections, for example, taking a month, right? Like... You, how many times are we going to have an election night where Republicans are up big and then all of a sudden, here we go, for the next no, seven d- days, Listen, I'm with eight you. days. I'm with you, but again, what you're talking about, the federal government shouldn't. If you're a conservative, by definition, the federal government should not have a role in trying to define for states. I mean, that's what Democrats want to do, right? They want to federalize elections and they want to put in all kinds of different barriers to, to run fair elections. No voter ID. They want... Uh, nationwide ballot harvesting. They want universal registration. Like they've been trying to do that for 30 years, right? And the one piece that, that Republicans have had over the years is a full federalism style of of conducting elections where, where states can conduct them the way that they see fit. Now, like you can have an argument about if you know if you're like in Nevada, for example, about how Democrats have just completely polluted your but then you have to figure out how to force reform in your state, which again is much easier than trying to do at the federal level, right? And and so much of this that, that I mean, at some point, it used to make me angry, now it just like makes me laugh, is this totally fundamental understanding of what it is that these people are elected to do, right? These are legislators. It is a legislative body. These are not presidents. These are not governors. Their goal is to try to create policy and create consensus. 
in order to get it over the finish line and make lasting change. Now, that is not like dictated and it's certainly difficult to do during divided government. But you have to understand the role of a legislature. And that's why I always say, like we said this many times on the show, I have at least, is this is why governors are so key. Because like you can have like we've got 500 people right here bickering like at a kid's birthday party. If you do a poll and they're like, okay, do we want, you know, chocolate cake? or We want vanilla cake. The kids will come to a consensus in 10 minutes. Right. And we've got 500 adults. We're on, on, on day two, day three of this stupidity. But what you're missing is that kids are not allowed to be on uh, Instagram. And so they don't, <laughs> they're not fighting back the urge to become some kind of a political influence. You know, I think like there's a lot, a lot to be of- said about that is that, you know, there is a huge motivation of like, you know, Jim Jordan has brought up a lot of, a lot of times, and, and he's been recognized multiple times through this whole process of being like, you know, this is a principled person. Who really cares about you know the movement and the and, and actually you know believes it in his bones, and I never see like like someone named the last Jim Jordan banger tweet right like the right. dude just hammers away at the job he you just know? does the job yeah and you, like he's I, I I mean he might do like I, I I recall seeing him on Fox but it's not like okay here's Jim Jordan rolling up again no, you know dude the, like, the guy is as Ohio as it gets you never see him posting some angsty selfie next to the Capitol about how he's like conflicted about some decision or like he's he is at the opposite of that he's like the kind of guy you want more but of. to that to that point right when you get the 20 defectors who are holding this whole process up when they all unite around Jim Jordan and Jim Jordan gives a speech saying I don't want it I want Kevin McCarthy they don't follow that no right I mean then it goes to like Byron Donald as if Byron Donald, and look, I don't know the guy. He could be terrific. He could be. He could be I, I excellent. Like, I like Byron Donald. A he, lot. He, well, he could be great. All I know, all I know about him, Smug, and maybe you know more about him. But all I know is is that he goes on cable television. I've never seen a bill that he's introduced. I've never seen any legislative prowess. I've never never seen any of that. All of which are pretty critical skill sets to be Speaker of the House. I, so I well, saw I saw him out at the RJC, right? And then uh, uh, I was like, oh, it's so terrific to meet you. I know you're going to be the head of investigating the Biden crime family. <laughs> I want you to hold him accountable. And he's like, I'm going to hold him accountable. <laughs> That's it, dude. Like, that is like my number one that priority one is the lawlessness of this group of people who are, who, are, who are in this administration and the entire Biden family. It's unbelievable in front of all of our eyes. Like, I think that's where a lot of the frustration that you're seeing is coming from is it's like, you know, the whole burn it all down mentality is it's it's insulting the way that conservatives are treated in this country what we've been forced to put up with seeing you know our hard-earned tax dollars are just essentially giveaways for liberals right now like any any cause that they think is going to get more voters out Biden's like oh we're, we're soft on the youth vote why don't we just cancel student loans you yeah. know like the lawlessness of this the frustration i think is, is feeling a lot of it no i l- listen i think what you just said actually is the underpinning to why this is such a frustrating procedure if this was if it had no outcome it wouldn't like if it didn't matter who was speaker of the house if it was just like whatever i mean truth be told if your government didn't form for two years it would probably be a better scenario than you think that's that's the wild thing right i mean the wild thing is like well if they can't keep screwing us over i mean but but under these circumstances Nobody wants this house to be dysfunctional more than Democrats. The yeah, the Biden administration, yeah. who is facing a raft of investigations from Byron yeah. Donald yep. and Jim yep. Jordan and, and everybody else. And let and, and let me just explain why it is that this matter because you can't conform or have form any sort of consensus at the first easiest vote that you're you're going to take in Congress because you can't get that piece done. What it tells me is that every major must pass thing that this Congress is going to confront, whether it's a debt ceiling, whether it's continued government funding, whether it is whatever, the things that have to get done, right? Not necessarily the things you want to get done, the things that have to get done. What you're going to do is deal with defectors on the Republican side because it's not perfect enough, right? Every time that happens, people think that's a conservative move. Like, oh, I'm principally never going to vote for a dollar spent in this country. Okay, great. That's fine, but it has to pass one way or another. Like, you have to actually process Social Security checks in this country. It's a promise that we all made. If you don't do that, like, there's massive political repercussions, as you might imagine. I mean, that'd be chaos. Chaos. But, so, when you have to get those things done, if you have to go 
find a single Democrat vote to get it over the finish line, to get it to 218, that costs you something. I mean, it's going to be more than a pound of flesh. If, it co- if you have to get 10 votes, that costs you something more. If you have to get 30 or 40 Democratic votes in order to get must-pass legislation over the finish line, it's going to be much more liberal than the shit that we've talked about for the last two years because they're going to demand. They have a Democratic Senate as a backstop. They're going to demand for the price of their votes billions of dollars of extraneous bullshit Green New Deal spending in order to get it over the finish line. And like that's that's why this makes me so mad is because if you are elected to Congress, you should understand the politics of legislative bodies are unity. If you have it, you can drive a hard bargain. Tom DeLay back in the in the mm-hmm. old days mm-hmm. when they had absolute Republican unity, Democrats were screwed. Yeah. They were screwed. There was nothing that they could do. The Republicans wanted to do anything that they wanted. They passed it through the House and then the negotiation begins. Well, now my fear is that if this continues into a larger legislative context, it means that Democrats have a seat at the table on the House passage of stuff. And then you get the Democrats in the Senate, no Democrat in the White House to two to one you. I mean, that is a, that is a nightmare scenario. I, I think that's the, the biggest danger right now is basically Democrats can smell blood. Yes. When they see this and this dysfunction... And listen, I mean, they meddled in elections where they had, you know, Chuck Schumer was was spending very heavily in races trying to make, trying to screw over Republicans in, 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 in making sure that in the Republican primary, the unelectable and a general Republican gets the nomination. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they will do the same thing now in the House of where they will try to meddle and, and divide and conquer. And the longer that this goes on, the more opportunity it shows for the Dems of like the, the way that they're already parading around and, and, and laughing at Republicans at where like every time there's, there, there's another round, Hakeem Jeffries without you know question cleans up every vote. They're united. You got to be an adult party to govern nationally. You have to make adult choices. And not all of them are going to be things that everybody's pleased with. No, but if you want to do big things like fundamentally take politics out of the FBI, you're going to have to attach it to something that is a must-pass bill. There's nothing more must-pass than a debt limit increase, than a funding the government mechanism. And if Republicans can pass something like that with an FBI reform on it, then we get what we want. Then then it's exactly right. But also, even in the context of hearings, if you spend the first month as a member of Congress— with clown shoes and a red nose on, like they're going to take you a lot less seriously when you sit in front of a dais and try to, to demand answers from the FBI. Dem- I mean, they're like, right, well, these are right. fundamentally unserious people. Even when they are asking serious questions, now that you they've given you a reason to doubt their sincerity. Right. It's the difference between what makes Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz so effective in their judiciary questioning of these DOJ people from the Biden administration and what the House is showing this week. Yeah. It's also the difference between Jim Jordan and a lot of people that well, we that's see true. over there. That's right? true. I mean, anyway, we'll keep following it, folks. We may even have to figure out how to provide more content on it because it's it's a real dynamic situation. I mean, who knows? By the time you're listening to this, it may have been figured out one and, way or another. And, and I want to point out, my prediction on the previous show. You were it right. Would, it would not be settled. Well, and that's and that's the fundamental reason why I've nominated you to be the next speaker. <laughs> of the house. Clairvoyant is always smug. You don't need to be a member of the house. That's no. that's to true. become speaker that's of the true. house. No, you can even be a Twitter emoji. <laughs> which is which which apparently is what ha- at least a couple dozen of these house members want to be. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get a new segment in here because I know there's a lot of listener interest in it. Lord knows there's a lot of interest for me. Uh, It's this Idaho University murder situation, which I don't know if you followed all of this over the last couple of months. Terrible, horrible, heinous crime where four University of Idaho uh, students were murdered with a knife of some kind uh, as they slept in their house. So I didn't know the details until they caught this guy. Like, I'd heard that there were murders, and, like, I typically don't follow any of this kind of stuff to me it's always like garish and crazy and like i you know i've got enough problems to deal with i don't need to hear about this crazy shit but then i heard it was like while they were asleep someone breaks in the house and kills everybody and that was just that's next level insane and they they couldn't find this guy for how long 
Well, it was it was it was terrifying because there was no suspects for two months, right? So, it, it, other than politics and sports, this is the only thing I follow seriously closely. But the only person who follows it more closely than me, Hollywood Hen. Yes, welcome I'm to here the program. For this update. All right. Um, and to to Smug's point, just really fast, there were actually six people sleeping in the house, and two of the girls were on the basement level, and they survived. Oh my! He, went he didn't af- find them. He went after the um, second floor and third floor victims. And the girls on the basement didn't even realize for a little while when they woke up because it was all in the in the bedrooms. Oh my god! And they invited people over to their house, and then everybody realized. Oh, are you serious? Those and called nine one one. Yeah. This is the most fucked up situation. Horrifying. 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 Yeah. So because it's college, it's like oh, you know, they were probably a class or something. And you have people over, and someone's like, "I oh, use the bathroom." And, oh my god. Yeah, and it was, and some of the victims. Um, Parents, I believe it was the girls who were on the main floor, talked about how their like attack was much more brutal and gruesome, and it it is it is tragic. Totally, really, really tragic. Totally, um, and a lot of parent anxiety. Yes, because the police were seemingly not doing their job because they had no suspects for so long. Yeah, and these parents were like, you know, hiring their own private investigators and people were saying the crime scene wasn't handled well and all of that and all of that. I heard some stories about like, uh, I, I don't know if they're in trouble or not, but there's some like TikTok influencer who'd been like spreading theories of like who did it and they're like, this is the person responsible. And that individual is like, I'm gonna sue you because I had like well, nothing to do with and it. Right, yeah. rightly so, right? No, well, but so it- now the suspect that they found because there was, um, there was this white car that they were searching for. The Hyundai Elantra. The Hyundai Elantra that, um, had been spotted around the crime scene and they tracked the car down um, all the way to Pennsylvania. And I believe they also have some DNA evidence as well. That was in the first round, round of, stories. of stories. Yeah, I haven't seen that, like sort of the cops in their press conferences haven't discussed that specifically. So this is the big, so we're at a big inflection point because um, now the suspected, the murder suspect is getting flown back from Pennsylvania to Idaho. And once he gets to Idaho, he'll appear in court and then the probable cause affidavit will be unsealed. So up to then this- Then we know the evidence we, against him. Then we him. know the evidence against him. Up to this point, we just kind of know the car and we think DNA. Um, and the guy who's been accused- All alleged, is, all alleged. Alleged, who's yes. been accused is Brian Koberger, mm-hmm. which makes this inf- in, uh, story so much more interesting is he's a 28-year-old PhD student at Washington State University, which my understanding is only about 10 miles down the yeah, road. Yeah, it's like from 20 Idaho. minutes. It's like 20 really? minutes oh, away. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this guy had gone to school in Pennsylvania, gotten his degree, gotten his master's, and then recently been accepted to a PhD uh, outfit in Washington State and was going to school there at the time. I, I don't trust wait, academics. They're, they're, they're dangerous. Guess what people. he was studying? Criminology. Oh. And criminal justice. And that's the thing. Right. Of course he is. And he had helped with a study about um, what people thought about and felt when they committed crimes. Like he was working he's, on a project. He's, he's a weirdo. That's and what I it think is. I want to say that he was on I read articles that he was like on Reddit being like, Can anybody yep, help that's me? Correct. Um or like How do I get with murder? It was like any ex I don't know. He was trying to do Are research. You he was trying to research. He was trying he was to do like, research yeah. on this on his on so his study, gross. which was of the criminal mind and like what and how they we're feel thinking. when they're doing things before, during, and after. Can yeah. I say so? Uh, you know, uh, the majority of my takes make me sound like an old, out of touch boomer. But <laughs> there's all these like you know the like true crime murder podcasts that are like always getting massive numbers. Yeah, I'm into like, them. Ser- like same. I, I'm that's into, that's part of the problem. We oh. we need to have Holmes and I on this topic are definitely part of the problem. I'm with you. I'm with have you positive media, you know. It's like the same thing with TikTok. Like China just wants us to see but horrible deranged shit while the they're thing. having like happy stuff over there. Here's yeah. the thing. You know why I want it? Because I want justice for these families. And like when this was floating out there, I was like, these are these kids' college age daughters and one son, and it's like nothing. There was no lead, nothing. And it's like when they, I mean, who knows alleged murder suspect but you want there to be some kind of resolve for all these things so that the family can at least have some put some of the pieces together totally. or have some sort of justice or at least the feeling of justice totally i mean you never watch like making a murder or anything like that on no Netflix? dude i don't watch any of that stuff look there's obviously an app. there's an app. there's a <laughs> I, watch, I watch history channel <laughs> i watch youtube documentaries oh, gosh. <laughs> he's got like straight cartoons on during the yeah, day right 
there's a big, big appetite for this stuff, which Nancy Grace used to fill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, primetime, a lot of primetime Fox used Remember to fill. Remember that Court with, TV was the yeah. thing back yeah, in the day. And like Greta Van Sester and all those well, we, we watched Mark right. Chimura on different sides of the planet, unbeknownst to each other. Yeah. <laughs> very, very Court plugged TV into that. Court TV in college. It started for me, honestly, as a kid with the OJ trial. Yeah. Right. I think that was different. Well, I, I got so different. into no, that that it so carried over. That. And like, I didn't, I didn't really watch the like actual, because it was like, Every day they had. Oh, it was, the it first was time, on in my house every oh, yeah. day. Oh yeah, until the every day to the very end. Yeah, my mom could have prosecuted that case. Yes, by we the do. End of the day. <laughs> we do. hundred uh, percent. I did watch the series on that, and that was funny. Like that was. Oh yeah. Because I, mean, I mean, it's all true, but it's wild. It's like you yeah. know, he's in the Kardashians' house about to commit suicide. It's like my god. No, I mean, if you fast forward all thirty these people, years, it's all like, these wow. monsters have been together for a while now. But so, remember how Jean Benet. Took Another over, one. took over Don't everything. Even. Another one. Another one. Annenberg and I were into that one. Very into we that still one. Are into I'm still, that one. I still send him articles whenever there's any kind of update. <laughs> because, again, nobody knows what happened. And I feel like she was a life de- that deserves answers. Totally. I mean, I mean, I totally agree with that. But I think, it, it, you know, this is the same thing I think is like the school shooters where there's like a, a motivation of like, you know, you'll have someone who's like a loner or whatever, stuck to himself. And they're like, if I want to be famous, I know one way I can get attention is because every network is going to cover this wall to wall. You know, that feels more like the school shooter or the like, you know, the, the random shooting. I think this people. the same way is like, OK, you know, like if I've got nothing going on for me, I'm a grad student. I drive a Hyundai Elantra. <laughs> but like if if he if he My is, God. if he is guilty, oh, blast at the Elantra. if he is guilty, I would love to know, like. Was he like stalking this group of kids? Like, well, see, we don't know. Why, That's like, what we don't right, know. Like, why, why this group of kids? And like, they've they've surveyed some other people who were at like bars with them that night, and they were like, "We've never seen this guy around here." Like, nobody's seen seems, seen him it before. Seems really, I saw. You got to check random. the bar scene. If no one knows you had a bar, something's up. I, I yeah. saw an article. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I saw an article yesterday that um, as he was driving across country with his dad. With his dad, he was Jeez. stopped in Indiana. Did uh-huh. you see this? Yeah, twice. Or he was stopped a couple times. Yeah, he on his stopped way. a couple of times for like you know he was riding too closely behind another car or something like that. And so they've got like footage of me and his dad sitting in the car. But like I don't know if that means anything. But I thought, oh God, can you imagine how eerie is that? And then when he was being extradited this morning, his mom was there and he mouthed "I love you" to her as he was walking out. Mm. Dude, just, that doesn't mm. matter. It's just there. But then, but then there was a female inmate. Yeah. When he was in jail, he said that, um, <laughs> well, he said that he was, someone said that he was taunting guards, exposing himself, and singing violent <laughs> rap lyrics as he sat in jail, which is a big justi- like juxtaposition between that The PhD and, student? Yeah, and I, and I love you, mom. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's true or what's not, but. What? So is this, this one of those woke jails where they put like men and women together or something? I don't. Th- this was it's the probably the, a holdings. I'm yeah, guessing it's a, holding it's a cell. small. And she was in the cell next to him, and I guess she heard him singing some kind of rap lyric. I would love to know what. Because he was arrested in Scranton, Pennsylvania, yeah. right? I mean, they probably don't have like a maximum security situation. If they do, it's probably not where they hold him. They hold him in some jail, mm-hmm. uh, which he's now been extradited back to Idaho, as Hattie said. Yeah. Which will now get some answers. So now we'll get some answers, and hopefully their families get some answers. Totally. And that's you know, and I'm again, glad, like I don't, I don't think you know. TV coverage of this or podcasts are going to help. This just says Second Amendment all the way through. Like everyone, if you you know your kids go to school, send them somewhere that they can carry. You know, make sure they're safe. I think that's the only thing because if folks know there's guns in the house, they don't come in and try. Well, that that and supporting law enforcement, making sure that they're funded so that they can go after creeps like this. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, listen. Way to bring it full circle, guys. Full circle, right back to where we need to be. Uh, Criminology, hen, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah. That is so crazy. He studied it. What a weirdo. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. He's an alleged weirdo. <laughs> well, here's another crime that we're going to get into that I think is just fascinating. Uh, it, it, for those of you who saw Office Space, uh, and it's a favorite here on the Variety program. And if I you haven't think. seen it, it's an excellent film. Do we have any audio of that? Lawrence. Oh, my God. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. <laughs> <laughs> just one of the all-time classic lines from one of the most classic movies but the re the plot line behind office space is that there's a bunch of people 
were bored at Inatech, this yep. terrible mm-hmm. sort of corporate bureaucracy that was filled with cubicles and nobody really did anything. They just sort of pushed paper. Yeah, they were debugging bank software for the Y2K turn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Real ones remember that. Real ones remember that. So, but but in the end, they had this this idea and somebody put them onto it where they would just like sort of make a rounding error in some of the transfers that they had to a different bank account and like over a period of time they would accumulate some money yeah it was some superman three <laughs> that's what the dude said <laughs> 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 right. right so now according to the washington post a software engineer is accused of writing malicious code that rerouted customers shipping fees to his bank account uh this guy is ermenendo they called him ernie castro watched the movie Office Space and thought, I could do that, (laughs) according to court documents. And so the software engineer, much like a disaffected tech workers in the 1999 cult classic, allegedly injected malicious computer code into his employer's information technology system. For months, the code rerouted a portion of the shipping charges on tens of thousands of customer purchases, sending money to an account controlled by Castro instead of the online retailer he worked for. Seattle Police report uh, uh, wrote in court documents. Castro, 28, is now charged with two felony counts of theft and one co- uh, felony count. Uh, he's at King County uh, mm. in Seattle right now. They got him ultimately stealing $302,000 uh, from his employer, which, again, it looks to me like he actually did what the people in office space couldn't. Yeah. Remember, like in Office Space, they wrote the code that it had they missed a decimal point and it, it transferred like ten million bucks or something like that. And it was supposed to be just like a cent over time. So, so that this is where he screwed up. So, I'm looking at the, at, at this article right now. This is where he screwed up. It says, but Zalili's fraud team, uh, the the company's fraud team, noticed the missing money. The detective said, as investigators looked into what happened, Castro allegedly tried a variation on his first scheme. This time, he wrote code that charged customers double the normal shipping costs. Because, like, if this was, like, a he was taking a penny from every transaction that his employer did, I don't think that's that bad. But if he's, he's screwing over people now. Like, no one likes paying shipping, and he's charging you twice. It's doubling it. Like, throw the book at this dude. Whenever there's a shipping charge, I'm like, I just don't even need it, dude. Don't yeah. even need it. But who, who's not going to notice? I mean, like, it tells you that it's going to be 10 bucks to get it there in a week, and all of a sudden it's 20 I notice, dude. I see shipping, you and I'm like, it. not happening. Don't need it. I mean, I love that you did a full office space, though. Yeah. And how funny is it you go back to a movie that was made, you know, 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago. You got to go back to the classic. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, I got that. I got that. Uh, he, 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 You want to know what he used the money for? Oh, sure. man. This is my favorite part. He used the money to invest in stock options, particularly GameStop. No way. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, I, see, I think that's actually smart. GameStop? That's actually smart. It's like if it's, you know, if, if it's not your money, then you don't really care about losses, right? So then you just got to roll the dice. This dude's way too online. Let me just <laughs> <Yeah>. tell you. <laughs> this dude took an office space theory and applied it to a, a tech meme, like, an, <laughs> like, a, like a stock meme purchase and that's and he ultimately got caught what an amazing story game stop what an amazing story um staying in uh uh the tech world here for a minute twitter announced that it may be bringing back political ads hmm. uh this is an interesting thing because as you recall after the fallout of the 2016 election where democrats basically said that russia had purchased the election and called yeah. president trump an illegitimate president, despite the fact there was only like a hundred grand spent on Facebook ads, despite the fact that like none of that really had an, a bearing on an outcome. And that like Demo- Super PAC spent like what, 50, 60 million? Like we're talking magnitudes. Yeah. It was a ridiculous charge. And 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 so the tech companies now with a, a democratic control in 2018 and just democratic like bitching, right? Because yep. they're always scared of, of liberal advocacy basically ruined the internet, right? Mm-hmm. They, they destroyed all of the targeting that you could get through political ads. And then Twitter itself went so far, much further than the rest of the platforms, to actually just stop all political advertising. Which, I mean... Because like other platforms were like a month ahead of the election, no more ads. Well, they also took the, down the tools, right? It used to be where, and, and Duncan, I wish he was here to explain this, but it used, it used Wait, to Duncan's be... Wait, Duncan's not here? Oh, he's, in, he's on vacation. All right, well... yeah. Got to keep going. We showed up for work. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be back one of these days. (laughs) 
But you used, to, you used to be able to pretty granularly target people against the voter file based on interests and likely, you know, persuadable topics and things like that. And they, like Facebook, they took away all of those and made it just so you had to, like, geographic buys, basically. Like, took away all the specific tools. But Twitter, which, you know, as we've come to find out, had absolutely no interest in freedom of speech. None. <laughs> Like, decided that political speech in this country was more than they could bear, and so that they basically banned the advertising altogether. So now Elon takes over, and it looks like they're maybe revisiting this. What's your take, Smug? I mean, I think this is, number one, you know, a huge step in terms of the kind of chokehold that the Democrats have had on how elections and tech in this company operate, where there was, I, I, I can't. You know, Hillary losing was this insanely traumatic event for Democrats of where they're like, now there are no rules. There's no Rubicon that we won't cross yep. to accomplish what we need to have done of where they like overnight, they went from being like, oh, you know, we're all hippies and you can't club us when we show up outside, you know, some oil company or something to being like, you have to listen to only what we say. There can be no dissent, comrade. You know, they went yep. full authoritarian and they were able to throw their weight around in the corporate world, uh, you, you know, numerous examples of, uh, you know, the, the boycott, for example, in Georgia of the All-Star game. And then the way that they had, you know, their claws completely sunk into Twitter, um, seeing that, you know, it's changing and that that grip is loosening, that Elon is at the vanguard of this. I mean, like, he's the whole reason this is happening. Yeah. Huge, huge. Yeah, no, no, it's a big deal. So we're going to keep an eye on that. We'll let you know how it all plays out. You know, the other thing you could do is just talk to Smug because that's the way things spread on Twitter. <laughs> so, you know, you don't need to advertise. Um, this story on the same topic of Twitter, only out because of Elon, mm -hmm. was mind-blowing yeah. to me. Yep. Adam Schiff, we all know this dude. One of the worst people. Uh, I mean, just one of the worst people. He tried to get a New York Post journal, uh, journalist suspended from the platform because the journalist was basically inquiring about the justifications that he was making on all the allegations against Trump and Russiagate and everything else. What? Yeah. Um, he tried to get, this is according to the New York Post, uh, he tried to get his journalist suspended from Twitter and any and content related to House Intelligence Committee staffers removed from the site, according to the latest document dump authorized by new owner Elon Musk. Tuesday's installment of the ongoing Twitter files, independent journalist Matt Taibbi posted a November 2020 email regarding a request from the California Democrats office to suppress free speech on the social media platform. Taibbi called the example an astonishing variety of requests from officials asking individuals they didn't like to be banned. Did you mm. see the emails and stuff that was posted? Yeah. It was insane. Totally not. It was basically like their demands are like, hi, Twitter. Uh, this is Schiff's office. These are our demands. Uh, anything that's like critical of us is not allowed to show up in search. Like if you try to search anything and it's critical of us, it should be removed and no one should be able to see that in the search. And they're like, further, these individuals who are critical of us, should they, their accounts should be banned, their tweets deleted. And people basically should not be allowed to be critical of us. And they, in, in all seriousness, oh, this is the worst. and the thing is that like, this is not like someone gets crazy and comes up with an idea one morning. It's because they keep pushing the envelope and envelope and push it more and more yeah, they, and more. They, 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 they stop like, seeing I it. I thought we could get this done. They stop seeing the lines. The, the lines no longer exist. They just get drunk on power. And because they keep getting away with it, this is what happened. I think some context to this is actually important. Um, the journalist in question was Paul Sperry, a Post columnist, who in January 2020 wrote an article for Real Clear Investigations about the purported whistleblower behind former President Donald Trump's first impeachment, for which uh, Schiff served as a House manager. In the article, Sperry said then-CIA analyst Eric Charmella, Charmella? I think that's right, was overheard talking uh, in the White House with Sean Misko, a holdover staffer from former President Barack Obama's administration. The former official who reportedly heard the conversation told Sperry just days after Trump was sworn in, they were ready to get rid of him. Mm. Right? Schiff's office asked for the suspension of the many accounts, including, and this is Rubini and, and Paul Sperry, which have 
repeatedly promoted false, and here's where you, you can this see the connection. Right? This is what they do. Mm-hmm. QAnon conspiracies mm-hmm. Yep. and harassed someone whose name is blacked out. And that's the thing is they're like, oh, wait, you know, this is a danger to democracy. That's another one. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're little terms is they're like, oh, this person is, is reporting information that's critical of us. Well, you see, that's QAnon. So in August, Sperry was permanently suspended from Twitter in the wake of FBI search on Trump's Mar-a-Lago club in Palm Beach, Florida. They kicked me off the day after Trump's home was raided and I was in the middle of tweeting more about the raid and I got the message popping up saying I was permanently suspended. No reasons were given. Wow. Insane. Wow. He's not allowed to say what he sees. That's insanity. Because he works for the New York Post and because he's saying things that Democrats don't want him to say. You know what? This is just... this. They're out of control. The, 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 this is another example. Of, I think. Can, we, I, can I just can I just say something go before you go, go into the go other example? It. Where is the rest of the media on this? Where is the New yeah, Washington Post? Where is the New York Times? Where is the AP sticking up for a fellow journalist who is being bullied? And, where, and, where, where, and, where, where is the rest of the? Imagine press? if a Republican tried to do this. Well, it, 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 everybody would be rallying around each other. There'd be press releases. There'd be tweets, and you know, like it. it well, again, like this. Where goes is back, everybody else? That's exactly you know what we had discussed previously. Is I think the way that this was packaged, you know, like uh, I I saw this just by happenstance the other day when it was like okay, another Twitter files dump is happening. If this had been packaged in terms of. You know, you have it laid out in an article and you do the rollout of it. You know, you, you, you tell folks that, OK, we're going to have this information at this time. We're going to break it down. And then you also pull like digestible bits from it, screenshot it, send that out to drum up interest, get the clicks and present everything cogently in an uh, in an article and have a full actual rollout for it as opposed to like now you have to follow along for like 50 tweets. Yeah at a random time that it's completely unexpected it hasn't been there no one knows to tune in at this time you know yeah. that's why you have a press conference mm-hmm. is because everyone knows hey you should pay attention to this it's going to be at this time you can send folks there with the microphone and you'll get the information mm-hmm. i think that is key like a lot of these these bombshells that have come out the media hasn't covered and i think the public isn't even aware of it because there hasn't been that kind of like a professional rollout behind it. Like I completely, you know, support the 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 move by Elon of having independent journalists like Taibi responsible for this because yeah. they have no allegiance to any corporate media entity, that, right. which I think is key into this whole problem. However, he still should have, you know, get get a media team, get some advisors in there who can tell you how to properly package this. Alert the media, alert the public to know, hey, tune in. We got some bangers coming in at 6 p.m. I mean, you're right. If you boil all this down, what you have is someone who is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, mm-hmm. who is responsible for conducting the impeachment of the president of the United States, bullying a social media platform mm-hmm. into banning people who are critical of his investigation. It's That's outrageous. It. It, it makes him. It makes him look so small. I mean, I. But it's also. But it's also like the crux of our democracy, yep. right? And it used to be the crux of what journalists thought their role was here, right? Right. That's, that's exactly. They right. were the fourth estate. Right. They were the ones that were tr- speaking truth to power. They, they were the ones who ultimately were responsible for uncovering this stuff. Not only did they not uncovering uncover any of it, it took a billionaire to sacrifice his net worth to buy a platform in order to get it out there. And it's right. because there's no journalists left. These are all just kids out of like Northwestern and UNC who want to build a social media But it's not even just that, followers. dude. And I think Ashbrook would agree with it. it. It's not even just that. Your 23-year-old journalist who comes out of Columbia, there may be, granted, they're going to be liberal, but there may be some like truth left there that wasn't beaten out of them in college. They may actually have wanted to be a journalist for the right reasons. But they have editors, and they have assignment editors. Exactly. And assignment editors tell those young journalists at a very early age what's important and what's not. Here's a story we need. Here's one we don't. They they can. That's the way that this whole thing works. And what we've seen over the last five years is that assignment editors have absolutely no interest in anything that doesn't advance their narrative. And, And furthermore, all these publications are now governed by the workplace slack. Where there was a classic example yeah. a couple of years ago during the summer of riots when Tom Cotton wrote that uh, op-ed in the New York Times being like, send in the troops, which he was a hundred, a million percent correct to, 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 to have that statement. 
And then heads had to roll because like the New York Times slack went crazy where they're like all the kids, all the little 20 year olds fresh out of Northwestern are like, I know better than the entire history of journalism. I know better than like, you know, uh, should we allow a U.S. senator to have a platform? And and heads rolled. They got people fired over that. Yeah, no, it's so like if you're if you are one of these like, you know, bright eyed, you know, bushy tailed kids coming out of college, want to be a real journalist. You show up at work and you will have no one to have lunch with. And there's nothing that matters more to all these clowns because, you know, what, journalists are like most antisocial people. They never had friends. They're horrible people by and large. <laughs> Right. Well, the most, so, the, the most so the, the, having anyone like them is the most important thing in the world. The most, <laughs> the most successful journalists are usually the best politicians in town. They, they, they usually are. They work both sides. They're friends with everybody, and they're usually empowered by an editor who is smart enough and has the sort of stature that they can say what's interesting in town. But a lot of these editors have left. They've taken buyouts, and some of them are just basically cowed by this twenty-year-old mob scene that showed up at a very low cost into their newspapers because they can't afford to pay people who uh, who have you know risen up in their careers and so and many of them even more alarming than just the buyout situation are themselves accomplished and they may have had years of journalism behind them but they're now in a social scene and a social structure and a silo of information where they believe that only these things matter to people right right that they no longer think outside the box like the, the idea that you could publish the pentagon papers or the Panama Papers, or Watergate, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. If it was against the Democratic administration, right. there's no chance any of that shit would not, go out because it. because Woodford, Woodward and Bernstein don't exist. Right. They, they're not interested in doing that with the Democratic administration. You think anybody is going to meet somebody in a parking garage in Roslyn to uncover some amazing behind-the-scenes deal that the Biden administration did that was a lawless activity? No. Right. The answer is no. And that ought to frighten the shit out of everybody. Yep. Yep, and that explains everything about our current situation. Totally, totally. All right, so last one. Uh, I got a kick out of this. Colorado is shipping migrants to New York City. <laughs> Which is amazing. Like, I, I had to double check to see that this was is, correct. Guys, is Ron DeSantis the governor of Colorado? Too? You know, it's I, he, soon he may have governing power over Colorado with the rest of the states, but not yet. Uh, <laughs> as of right now, it is still a very blue state. In fact... Bluer Sadly, than, it breaks my heart. Bluer than any of us would have liked it to be, but that is the case. And it, according to the New York Post, there's no more room at the end, Mayor Eric Adams said Tuesday after word that Colorado plans to ship migrants to New York City and Chicago. Adams called the migrant crisis a national embarrassment as he renewed his calls for billions of dollars in emergency relief from federal officials. Which will 100% go to him just partying. <laughs> Uh, we received 30,000 asylum seekers that are in need of not only shelter, but food, education, children, health care, and some of the most basic items that are needed, Adams told radio host Sid Rosenberg as he continued his call for financial support from the feds. We were notified yesterday that the co- governor of Colorado, a Democrat, I might add, mm-hmm. uh, is now stated that he's going to be sending migrants to places like New York and Chicago. <laughs> it's unfair for local governments uh, to uh, to take on this national Boy, obligation. Well, isn't that an interesting mm-hmm. point? Can you explain like every border town which is like struggling right now? And you know what? I I maybe I'm reading too much into this smug, but I think what that means by people shipping people from Colorado to New York and Chicago, they probably have to take an airplane, right? I bet that's, uh, you know, the Colorado Democrat governor's human trafficking. That'd be my theory. Is that, this seems like maybe it's, human trafficking. You know, I, I've been told if anyone gets on a plane, that's human trafficking, so. Well, it just depends on where, if it's a vacation destination. <laughs> I mean, if it's somewhere that Democrats want to be, they're like, this is human trafficking. <laughs> Can I if just, it's going and to all a, the Democrats a, have a, already decided they want to be in New York anyway, yeah, so it's like not a problem? If it's, if it's a red state and it's a border town, which is completely ill-equipped and is dealing with crime and, and, and absolutely can't handle the situation, well, hey, you, you folks, you just got to you gotta eat it. And, and, gotta and, deal with it. And in that case, uh, there is no border problem. Yeah, there's no border problem. Well, That's it. I, That's exactly he, it. One one other thing I'll add, I think it's incumbent on the good folks at the Ruthless Variety Program um, to fact check um, our politicians when they make inaccurate statements. And Mayor Eric Adams said there's no more room at the end in the city of New York. And one of our producers just handed me a list of the over 6,000 vacant uh, apartments (laughs) available in the city of uh, Manhattan. These are all... Send them in. These are all available. They're all available for a low, low charge, and New York City can probably pick up without much of a problem. That's exactly right. I mean, the amount that they charge people in taxes, of course they could. Like, that's 100%. So this is... 
you know, this this also uh, goes in line with how for so long we have correctly had the label on liberals of they cannot govern. Because any 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 liberal mayor of a big city, any liberal governor, governor, whenever there's a problem, they're like, well, they, you just got to give me more money. And all the money goes to their dumbass, ridiculous causes that accomplish nothing and don't solve the problem in any shape or form. So the fact that like Eric that Adams right now, who's a terrible mayor, <laughs> a terrible mayor, like and I, you I know, you you know, I mean, you're a New York guy. I love so, and, and I love because you see, you know, there comes a point where there's just so much mismanagement, right? And you're having to deal with the consequences of the poor decisions being made by the folks at the top. Where it's like, I remember, like, listen, Bloomberg, yes, absolute lib, right? He's a, he's a total lib, and essentially would buy his way to also get the Republican line on the ticket. However, the trains ran on time, and Bloomberg didn't like, you know, his city to have criminals in the street. Yeah. You could be blackout drunk at 4 a.m. And, and walk the streets of New York City, and you were safe. As soon as de Blasio takes over, he's like, well, listen, these aren't criminals. These people have been disadvantaged. You know, he likes to stab people. T- t- you know, yeah. why are we judging him? Yeah. Why are we judging this guy? He's <laughs> Everybody's okay. got a hobby. <laughs> and then this is what happens. They're like, well, listen, it can't be that my policies are completely insane. It's got to be I just need more money. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's, Cut them off. Cut them off. Don't get them anything. Send them all amazing. Colorado. It was uh, Governor Jared Polis, by the way, who was the uh, Democrat of, of, of Colorado. Terrible who sent guy. These. Terrible guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, human traffic. Russell Wilson could do a better job. <laughs> <laughs> God, so good. <laughs> Fellas, we did it again. I should, before, I, before we depart, I should say we believe Michael Duncan will be back next week. We can't guarantee maybe, it. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? We can't guarantee this vacation. The eternal vacation continues. I mean, Christmas was like two weeks ago, man. Yeah. Well, but I mean, we hope that he's going to be back. At that time, we will play games because we need a judge and jury yeah. to play games. So look forward to that next week along with a bunch of provocative interviews. So, I mean, if I may say so myself, absolute banger of an episode gentlemen and thank you so much to our listeners thank you to the minions we appreciate you so much so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on tuesday stay ruthless